Good morning and welcome to our service this morning. I don't know if that was welcoming or not. We'll, we'll see after a while, but good to see you today. So thankful you've chosen to be with us today as we have come together. As you know, today we'll be having our morning worship, then we'll have a meal, then following that we will have our 1 o'clock service. We will not have the 5 p.m. service today. So we hope that everyone will stay, not just for this morning, but for the meal and also for the afternoon service as well. I hope this morning that you can put your thinking cap on or at least travel back in time with me for just a little bit. And I want you to think about something. Some of these kids who are here today, they're not old enough to remember it. Now, they may have seen it on uh, reruns, and I'm not even sure that they would be watching it on reruns or anything like that. How many of you are old enough to remember the old Incredible Hulk television show? Now, now for the kids that, that don't remember that one, that was on one of those three stations that we got, you know, way back there in the 1970s. You don't even remember a time when there wasn't, you know, 8 or 10 or 15 or 25 or 30 or 125 or 200 stations that you can watch now. But we had three, and, and back then we had one of those automatic rotors on the, on the antenna. It was red, and it was about this long. And so whenever you got ready to change channels, you went outside and you put the pipe wrench on the t- antenna and you turned it. A lot of folks don't even remember antennas and stuff. But Incredible Hulk was a television show a number of years ago. And in the opening of the Incredible Hulk, there's a scene that, that I thought about as I was thinking about the lesson for today. It's of Bill Bixby, who is the actor who plays David Banner, before he turns into the Hulk. He is, he is changing a tire, and it's bad enough that he's had a flat. But he's changing the time, there's lightning flashing, there's rain falling down, and, and he's out there and he's trying to change his tire. It's nighttime, it's dark, and as he's trying to change the tire, guess what happens? The lug wrench slips off of the lug nut and evidently hits his knuckles on the, on the ground or something. How many of you have ever done something like that? You know, you're trying to do something, the wrench slips, or, or something happens, and, and you know what happens after that, don't you? Your eyes start to turn green. Now, that's what his does, at least. His eyes started to turn green, and, and he knew that he was going to need a new shirt after that because the sleeves began to, you know, they all began to split wide open, and, and he jumps up, you know, as all of this is going on, and he takes that car. And rather than changing the tire or just using his strength, you know, to twist the lug nuts off, he takes the car and just hurls it off the cliff. Now, I don't know where he was going after he got finished with that, but I hope he had insurance on the car. But anyway, he does that. How many of us have ever done something like that? I see people who are shaking, who are shaking your heads as though, yep, I've done stuff like that. Well, I hope you had insurance too, you know, on your car. You know, there's only one thing that makes it worse when you do something like that, and that's for somebody to laugh at you when you do it. It's like generally our little granddaughter says, that's not funny, you know, and that's the only thing that makes it worse. Well, the narrator who's talking about the events that are going on on the Incredible Hulk as he's opening up the show, he says the creature is driven by rage. And you know what? A lot of us who are God's creatures, we are driven by rage on a lot of occasions. And he goes on, and I won't say everything that he says in the opening credits, but he goes on, and as he comes to the end of the opening uh, of the show, 
he talks about how that the, the, the doctor had presumably been killed in a, an experiment and so forth, and, and that the Hulk, that David Banner as well, he had to allow people to continue to think that he was dead until he could find a way to control the rage, the spirit of rage that was within him. You know, all kidding aside this morning, there are a lot of people who have problems with rage. They have problems with anger. I ran across a survey that was done a few years back now, but in that survey, they were talking about anger and what happened and all of the things, and I won't bore you with all of the results, but in that survey, they found that almost two people out of every ten that they had a problem controlling their anger. Now that doesn't sound like a lot, just two or at least one and a, and a little bitty bit out of, uh, uh, out of ten, but, but that's quite a bit of people when you start thinking about how many people there are in the world. That's quite a bit of information, quite a bit of people. But, you know, it wasn't just one or twelve percent that, uh, that had a problem with anger. When that survey was done, 20%, that's 2 out of 10, said that they had ended a friendship with someone because the friend had an anger problem. They actually ended the friendship because the friend had an anger problem. That grows a little bit, doesn't it? But, but not only that, but there's some other statistics that we found as they were working. 65% said that they had dealt with office rage in their lifetime. That's six and a half, that's almost seven people out of ten who have had an incident or at least, you know, come across an incident of office rage. Somebody in their office, whether it's them or someone else, they have a problem with anger. They, they, they you know, have an outburst of anger at the office. And, and not only that, but four, almost five out of ten say that they have a regular problem. They they regularly lose their temper at work. Well, well, you keep going, you think about some other things, road rage. How many of you have ever experienced that? Maybe you were the cause of it, maybe you were the recipient of it, but 90%, 9 out of 10, say that they've had a problem with road rage. And, and almost 70% say that anger is getting worse in our day and time. That, that the problems continue to grow. And the statistics, the studies that have been done, bears that out. The older generations talked about anger, but not nearly as much as what we have in our own day and time. Anger is something that, that is a, a, a process, a, a continual thing that seems to continue to grow stronger and stronger and stronger. Well, you know, even the political candidates today, some of them have tapped into the artery of anger. They, they, they talk about the things that are going on in, in the world and, uh, you know, people are blaming things. They, they will blame a lot of things in regard to anger. Well, we're not the only ones who've ever had anger. As we read our scripture this morning, Brother Randy read it to us, he read from the book of Jonah chapter 4. And in the first four verses of Jonah chapter 4, we have the story of Jonah becoming angry. Matter of fact, if you continue reading, there are two times in Jonah chapter number 4 that God himself addresses the anger of Jonah. And two times God asked Jonah a question uh, from this, uh, in this vein. Jonah, 
Do you do well to be angry? Do you do well to be angry? That's a good question for us, isn't it? If anger is growing in our world, and sometimes we have problems with anger, are we doing well to be angry? Is it something good for us? Is it right for us to be angry all the time? A lot of people have a problem with it. Today we want to talk about it for just a few minutes, and then the lesson will be yours. It may be today that you're struggling with anger issues. It may be that you get mad at somebody regularly. It may be that that situations that are beyond your control, they, they cause you to just become the incredible hawk on a regular basis. What does the Bible have to say about it? What is it that we can do about it? What are some of the things that, that we need to know? Well, let's think about it. And we're going to go, if you have your Bible, you may want to open it up to Jonah chapter number 4. And we're going to look there and we'll spend our, our time there this morning. Jonah chapter number 4. And as we do that this morning, we're thinking about Jonah's anger. And I should have put that up there a minute ago. But, but I want you to understand something this morning. Anger usually begins with I. When we look at the word anger, we say, oh, it starts with A. No, it doesn't start with A. Anger usually begins with I. And I'm not talking about the spelling of the word. I'm talking about the process itself. Anger usually begins with I. Look at Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 through 4 again. I want you to think about what Randy read to us just a few minutes ago. The Bible speaks about, beginning in verse number 1, that Jonah was displeased. Jonah was displeased. But but follow it on through, and I've marked some of these in in the, the passage here. We won't take time to read every word of it. But I want you to see a focus that begins to, to happen here. Jonah says, I said, I was, I knew, I made my life. It's better for me. Who in those four verses is the focus? Who's the focal point? Who, who is Jonah looking at? Jonah is looking at Jonah. It's I, 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 me, my. Anger usually begins with an I. You know, what had happened was Jonathan thought he already had it figured out. Jonah thought everything should have fit into his own little little, little plan, that, that everything should have fit neatly there. He, he had his own pretty little picture, if you will, of what was going on. And somebody comes along and they stirred up his, they destroyed his little picture, and, and that was the case. Somebody usually comes along and they do something to mess up our pretty little picture. It didn't turn out the way Jonah wanted it to. He didn't want to go to begin with to preach to the Ninevites. It didn't turn out like he wanted to. After he went over there and he began to preach to them, you know, things just didn't work out for him because he was expecting God, or at least he thought God, should just destroy these people. He didn't like them. He knew that there was a problem on the horizon. If you were with us when we were studying the book of Jonah on Wednesday nights uh, a few months ago, we we talked about a number of things in regard to that. But that's what happens to us. We get all upset because things just don't work out the way we planned. Or, or, Or yet worse, the predictions that we make, they don't come true. And that's why we start saying things like, it's better for me, it's better for me to die, it's better for me to to go on. You know, what that says is this. 
we're really looking at what other people think about us. We're really thinking about how am I going to look when whatever I say or whatever I have done doesn't work out. We're thinking about what are others going to think about me in this scenario or this case or this, this event. You see, anger usually begins with I. Now you think about that in your own context, in your own life. You think about the times that you have been angry in life. Is it true that anger usually begins with me? What people will think about me, what others will see in me, Well, he's not finished yet. In the book of Jonah, chapter 4, verses 7 through 9, I want you to see something else. This is the second time that we read about the anger that that Jonah has. And again, I've highlighted some things. We'll read this one. It's short. But here it is that Jonah's sitting up on the hillside. He's watching to see what God is going to do to the city of Nineveh. And and this uh, vine has grown up and he's had a shade, but it dies And the Bible says there, beginning at verse 7 of Jonah chapter 4, but when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant, and it withered. And when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind. The sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It's better for me to die than to live. But God said to him, Jonah, do you do well to be angry? For the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry. Angry enough to die. And those words, those phrases that I have highlighted for you there, do you see how anger still is focused around the eye? You see, Jonah begins to suffer a little bit now. It gets hot outside. The wind is blowing. He has no shade. And I don't know, in that picture I put up there at the beginning, you know, of, of Jonah, as he's, as he's shouting at the, the dead plant over there, he's bald. I don't know if he's bald in real life or not, but that sun is beating down on his head. And, and it's he's out there, and man, he's just growing faint. Somebody's taken something away from me. Somebody has taken my comfort away from me. At any case, whether it's someone laughing at us for something that we said which didn't come true or, or, or whether it's somebody taking something away from us, the focus is still on I, me. It's I who have been wronged. Anger usually begins with I. We have to really and truly think about that. If we want to deal with our anger issues, we are going to have to turn loose of ourselves. We're going to have to perhaps turn loose of some of what we consider to be our rights. We're going to have to stop worrying about perhaps what other people might say in regard to us and how they react or what they say to us. You see, we're not doing well to be angry because we're focusing our attention on I. Let me continue on this morning as we think about this idea. I want you to remember that if we're trying to find happiness in things, and we're usually going to wind up hurt and angry. And that's what we do. We try to find happiness. We try to find comfort. We try to find all of the things that we think makes life worth living. Jonah decided life's not worth living. 
Two times he speaks about, it's better for me to die. Two times he thinks life is not worth... He is so mad, he's so angry, that, that, that spirit of rage is within him so much that he says life is just not worth it anymore. Maybe it's because he's placed his emphasis not just on himself, but on the comforts, the, the things that he has. And that's what happens to us when things become us. But note this morning that anger continues to grow because of you. Anger continues to grow because of you. What do you mean by that? Well, go back, if you will, to the, the passage that we've already looked at here and think about what is said specifically in verse number 2, Jonah chapter 4, verse number 2. In that passage, the Bible says, and I'm not, there we go. He says, and he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That, that is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you, that you are a gracious God. You are a merciful God. I know that you are slow to anger. And I know that you are abounding in steadfast love. And I know that you relent from disaster. Now that's one long sentence and it doesn't have you in the original language, but the force is you, God. You, God. You, God. You, God. You, God. And every time he said it, he got worse. He got more angry. Jonah's pointing his finger at someone else. John was pointing his finger at God. He says, you are the one who has caused all of my problems. Look again, still in that same chapter down at verse number 9. God said to Jonah, this is again the second time that he's mentioned as being angry, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. Well, who did he blame for the plant not being there? Did he still blame God? Did he blame the worm that ate it so that it died? And did he blame the sun or the wind? Did he blame the plant itself? You crazy, stupid, ignorant plant. You just died. He was angry because of the plant. He was angry over the plant. He's angry at God. You, God, you plant. Anger usually grows because of you. You know, in our society in which we live today, we, we live in a, in a place where it's not my fault. It's not my fault. You know whose fault it is? It's big business's fault. It's not my fault. It's Wall Street's fault. It's not my fault. It's government's fault. It's not my fault. It's the police department's fault. It's not my... And you can fill in blank. Not my fault. It's somebody else. It's everybody but me. I'm the one who's undergoing the, the discomfort. I'm the one who may be laughed at, 
But it's your fault that that's taking place. You know, I mentioned that little survey that was done. Uh, We showed you the pictures on there. uh, There was something interesting in it, to me at least. Britain's, uh, that survey was actually done in Great Britain. But 50% of Britain's reacted to the problems that they had in their office especially in regard to their computer, by either abusing their colleagues or hitting the computer or screaming or shouting or even throwing parts of the computer around because it's the computer's fault. 22% hit the computer and caused damage to it. 7% hit the computer and damaged it. 19%, well, their anger resulted in a broken keyboard. 17% a shattered monitor. 17% the mouse was destroyed. You know what I've discovered through the years is generally what happens with a computer is not the computer's fault. It's the computer operator. But you know who we blame. Somebody else. You. Jonah said, you, God. Jonah said, that plant, whether it's our computer or our car or our neighbor or our husband or our wife or children or a co-worker or whoever it is, anger usually grows because of you. We need to be careful about the idea of it's everybody's fault. You know why? How I know that? Well, because God pointed his finger back at Jonah. God looked at Jonah and he asked him a question. Do you do well? Jonah thought he was doing well. Jonah said, yeah, I do. Uh, I'm justified in being uh, angry. I, I ought to be angry enough to die. But God knew better. Jonah's anger was misplaced and uncalled for. It was you. That brings us to a third point this morning, and that's simply this. When we think about anger, anger usually is fixated on the O or the zero. What do you mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is simply this. It's really not worth anything. Again, back in the book of Jonah, chapter 4, verses 9 through 11, think about what God asked Jonah. God is speaking to Jonah about his anger, about the plant. And he says, you know, you pity the plant, verse number 10, for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow. It came into being in a night, and in a night it perished. This plant was worthless. You didn't do anything for it. You didn't do anything to it. You didn't contribute to to the plant in any way. It's just like a plant. It grows up today and tomorrow it's gone. It's really of zero value. It's really worthless. And so much of what angers us today is really of no value. None whatsoever. 
Now think about, again, I keep referring back to this survey. It was quite lengthy, but it's quite revealing as well. Think about some of these anger stats. 50% got angry because their colleagues simply talked too loud at the office. What difference did that make? 40% disliked the petty selfishness of their colleagues. And the example that they gave is they made coffee and didn't offer me any. What difference did it make? 30% complain about a colleague's untidiness in the kitchen. They might not have put something up when they got it out. In the grand scheme of things, what difference does it make? 20% were angered by their colleagues who just looked depressed all the time. What's the last thing you got angry about? Some of you may not even remember what the last thing you got angry about. It's not because it was so long ago. It's just because it wasn't worth getting angry over. It was of zero value. Well, it was important to me. I got angry, and if I got angry, then it was definitely the right thing to get angry over. Well, that's what Jonah said. And God corrected him. No, Jonah, it's not. Do you do well to be angry? And the answer that God expected out of Jonah, the right answer was, no, I don't. Now, on the other hand, there are sometimes times when anger is justified. Jonah chapter 3, we'll back up a chapter, look at verses 9 and 10. Just want to point out very quickly, anger is mentioned again in this passage, but who is angry this time? The Bible says, who knows? God may turn and relent, or may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger. You see, God was angry with the Ninevites. God was angry. But even in this passage, the king of Nineveh who's making this statement, who has commanded the people of the city of Nineveh to, uh, to dress in sackcloth and ashes and do all those things, he's saying maybe God will relent of his fierce anger that he has, but, but who was truly at fault? He goes on. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way. God relented of the disaster that he would bring upon them. Sometimes anger is justified. There's no doubt about it. Matter of fact, if you turn to Psalm 7, verses 9 through 13, the Bible says, Oh, let the evil of the wicked come to an end. And may you establish the righteous who, have, uh, who test the minds and hearts. Oh, righteous God, my shield is with God who saves the upright in heart. God is a righteous judge a God who feels indignation every 
day. If a man does not repent, God will wet his sword and has been and readied his arrow. He has prepared for him his deadly weapons, making his arrows fiery shafts. The contrast there is between the anger of God and the sinfulness of man. God is righteous. Man is unrighteous. When man tries to be righteous, when man tries to be like God, God approves. God takes care of the righteous. God establishes the righteous in verse number 7, or verse number 9, rather. And when the wicked repent, when they turn from their wickedness, God will cease His hostilities as it was toward them. There's a time to be angry over the right things. Over things that are of value. Sin that causes a soul to go to hell, we ought to be angry over it. Not necessarily at the soul, but at the sin. And God is. Unfortunately, sometimes it seems that we direct our anger toward the sinner more so than the sin. We have to be very careful. That soul is worth the entire world. Jesus gave his life for the soul of that person. It is of great value. It's it's more valuable than every dollar bill, every hundred dollar bill, every piece of gold, every diamond, every jewel of every kind, all stacked up. But just because somebody laughs at us or just because we skin our knuckle or just because something of no value happens to us, our anger is not justified. We have to be careful. We want to be sure that the object of our anger is worthy of our anger. And so this morning, we can't allow that anger that zero thing to make us go. What happens though when we are provoked to anger? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26 in the New Testament is a very interesting verse. There the Apostle Paul writes, very short verse, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Very quickly this morning before time runs out, let me point out a couple of things about this verse. Number one, in addition to the, the first angry that's mentioned there in the verse being a verb and the last one being a noun, these are two entirely different words. A lot of times in the, in the Greek language you'll have a word that's a noun and, and it's basically the same word but it takes a verb form. This, these are two different words in this case. What Paul is literally saying is, in verse number, the first part of that verse, is that you can allow yourself to be provoked to anger. The idea is of a provocation. You can allow yourself to be provoked. There are some things that should make us angry, as in the case with God, as in the case with Jesus. 
two times when he went in the temple and he overturned the changers, the, the money changers' tables. As it, as it was with Jesus sometimes who could see into the heart of people who were asking him questions and, and those who were trying to do things that, were, that would cause him to, uh, to not do right or trying to catch him in something that was not right. Sometimes the Bible speaks about how Jesus became indignant or angered toward those people. One occasion when Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath day and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Jews were, were just all in an uproar, Jesus became angry with them because they didn't care for the man, the person that Jesus helped. It's okay, it's allowable for us to be provoked to anger. That's what that first word means. Be angry. But then the last word is a word which has to do with exasperation. You have to resolve this before the sun goes down is the way the Apostle Paul writes it. We can't let the sun go down on our exasperation. We resolve things promptly because what happens is if we're provoked to anger and we let that build up and seethe within us, if we, if we let it begin to boil within us, What's going to happen? We're going to say something. We're going to do something. We're going to act in some way that is not befitting a Christian. And so we resolve our exasperation, that anger, depending upon which translation you're reading from. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, I think is the way the King James puts it. We can't allow that exasperation to grow. Because when it does, the next verse, verse 27, is the one that takes over. We can't allow the devil to have room to to work. And it does. And so this morning, as we began to bring our lesson to a close, are you still angry? Are you still an angry person? That's the title that we gave Well, Dr. Phil on the television, he'd ask it this way, how's that working out for you? But God puts it this way, do you do well to be angry? Job had to answer no if he had answered correctly. Most of the time, we would too. Where's the center of focus? You have to ask Am I the center of focus when I become angry? Is it just about me? Is it what somebody's going to think or somebody's taking something from me? Or We can't allow anger to begin with I. We also have to ask when we become angry, are we the pointing our finger? Do we say you're the aim of blame? And if we're always pointing at someone else, we probably need to take a look at our life. And then thirdly, is the object of your anger more valuable than zero? Is it? And if it's not, you're angry at the wrong thing. Your anger is not justified. It's not acceptable. 
there are a lot of things we could say this morning in regard to anger. Paul just, or rather Jonah, he just became angry. God had to correct him. Maybe you need some correction this morning. Maybe it's self-correction. Need to work on you, on yourself. Maybe we need to work on what it is that we focus and value. All of the things. But this morning, if you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, whether it be because of anger or whether it be because you simply know this morning that you need to put your Lord on in baptism or for some other reason, I hope that you'll come right now. Let's together.